Just thinking about this family I knew growing up. There were three kids, and I don't know, I played sports with the son. They had an older daughter, a middle son, a middleton, and a, a young son, a younger son. Youngerson. I'm surprised I haven't heard that last name before. But uh, I don't know, just he came to my birthday parties and things like that. I don't remember him ever having much of a personality. He was good in school, good at sports. You never thought of him as the star athlete. But just about any sport, just about any sport, the things you remember about people, but any sport, he was competitive. Not in an aggressive way, almost like if you just set him down. Like if a giant hand from the sky grabbed him by the head and just set him down on a field or on a court, he'd be a good competitive player who would take the game seriously. But you never thought of him as a star athlete. <laughs> you never thought of him as a star athlete. But anyway, so like he went to my birthday parties and things. And then as we got a little bit older, I mean, there's just no reason. There's a lot of kids like that. My childhood was filled with those sorts of relationships where it wasn't even that your parents were friends and they forced it. It was just like you had kindergarten with them and having kindergarten with somebody, that's like worth three birthday parties. I think there's an equation. I think there's a formula to this where if you have kindergarten with another kid, that's worth about the next, he might be invited to your next two or three birthdays. And then you just sort of go different directions. But anyway, nice family. But there was always weird stuff with them. Not not weird as in bad, but just there was like sort of a, a novelty. Like they they would they would do novel things. Like one time, my family went and went out of town and stayed with some family friends who were still in the same state, but they lived you know a couple hours away. And I woke up one morning, and there was always something amazing about that feeling. Like, if you're at a, a family friend's house overnight with your family, and you're comfortable enough with them to where, like, you can just get up and hang out in the kitchen and the next morning, it's a very good feeling. Like, they cook you breakfast. It's foreign, but it's also comfortable. But anyway, uh, they had the local newspaper. They, they, they had the, the Seattle newspaper, I think it was. And... There was a picture of my friend and his family. And it was like, I'm not going to say their name, but it was like they've taken a vow to not use their car for an entire month. And I was like, wow. It was funny seeing that. Because, I mean, it was a big deal. Like, to see people you know in the newspaper is a big deal. You know, we're so used to seeing random photos of people now. But if you saw somebody you knew in the newspaper, you, it was wild. Knew in the newspaper. but So there's a big picture of them. They were standing in front of their car, the whole family. Like a family portrait standing in front of their car. And it was in the newspapers because they'd taken a vow to not use their car for an entire month. Amazing what would get published in the paper. I mean, I, I go through a lot of really old newspapers through mafia research, for mafia research, and... You see all kinds of things like that. You see where people would just announce when they had a party. It was like, last Sunday, Mrs. Stevenson had Mrs. Wilkins, Mrs. Russo, and Mrs. So-and-so over at her house for, for tea. There's actually things like that in there. 
people think is what I always say about social media, not to launch into another direction, but all that stuff, it's not new. Like the, the impulse to announce and to tell people what you're doing, it's not new, it's just more immediate. And the immediacy has an impact. It's why I'll never say social media isn't doesn't you know, I'll never say social media doesn't have absolutely horrible qualities given the immediacy and the level of connection that we've never had before. But it didn't create new impulses in people. It just made them manifest in new ways. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's, it's like th this idea that in the newspapers, you know, a hundred years ago, it wasn't uncommon just to see a, it'd be in the back of the paper. There'd be a section just about social activity. And you'd actually see like a list of who went to some sort of little party and not a big party. I mean, you'd expect like wedding announcements, you expect things like that. And they, they had sections for those things, but this was just like a little section in the back where it just talked about like who got together for a party and it listed everybody. And you know, you think about this idea that people talk about fear of missing out. They obnoxiously call it FOMO. That was a big... I haven't heard that for a while. I haven't heard about FOMO. FOMO for a while. FEMA. I haven't heard about FEMA, FOMO. FOMO. Uh, when social media first got really big, you started to hear about, you know, FOMO all the time. Where it was like, oh, all these people are looking at social media and they're having FOMO. Well, that's always existed. Everyone always had fear of missing out. And I have to imagine that there was somebody who didn't get invited to the the Sunday brunch tea luncheon with all the ladies who was reading that, like going through, they invited her? They didn't invite me? I bet that's always been the case. I bet tons of resentment developed because somebody was just thumbing through the paper. It's like one year at work, we didn't invite the boss. We had a Halloween get-together at a bar. It was just the co-workers. We were all peers. But there was a history of the boss misbehaving and just, just making, just doing what a boss does. He wasn't even a terrible guy. It was just, he owned the company. When he would get drunk, he would be embarrassing, which was okay. But he would sometimes over, you know, he'd over, say things he shouldn't say. And then you kind of felt like you were still at work. Like you felt like you had to conduct yourself a certain way like even if you didn't feel like you were at work you felt um you just felt like this could have repercussions at work you felt like you couldn't talk as comfortably or off the cuff i mean it's just as simple as you didn't want to get really drunk around your boss especially when he owned the company because it's not like we would sit around and just talk shit about work but people would do that it would come up so you just wanted to be comfortable you didn't want to have to censor yourself but anyway I remember, like, people posted photos from the get-together, and the, the boss, who was, you know, like a 45-year-old a man with kids and a life, sort of, but he had gotten on social media, and he had seen all the photos, which just, you shouldn't even be connected to your boss on there anyway. I, I learned that the hard way. But, you know, you shouldn't even be connected to your boss on there to begin with, because he got on and he saw all these photos of people having fun and he got major FEMA FOMA FEMA FOMO fear of FEMA and he didn't punish anybody but he, he just brooded 
and I felt bad for him. You know, on one hand, I was kind of pissed at him because I was like, come on, like, you should appreciate the fact that all of your employees like each other enough to spend time together as peers, having a good time. It's good for morale. It's just good. Because it wasn't one of those weird, incestuous workplaces. Like, I was the only one, actually, in the entire history of the company. Actually, there was another, but there was another. But I was the only person who ever worked there who dated a co-worker, and it was a mess, of course. But other than that, it wasn't one of those kinds of places where everybody was dating each other or causing their, their social lives together weren't causing issues for the company and i remember like like when i found out he was upset about it he was heartbroken about it he just imagined all this fun he missed out on but i remember being kind of irritated with him because i was like you know if, if you were a real leader if you actually had leadership qualities which he, he really didn't he had ideas but not leadership qualities but if like you were a leader you would understand that hey it's a really good thing it's a really cool thing the people I pay to work together like each other enough, and we did like each other enough, to get together and just have a good time on Halloween and dress up. But he got major FOMO. Major FOMO. Major DOMO FOMO. And so, you know, and that's, you know, been going on as long as people have been on social media sites, but it was, it was a particularly noteworthy version of that for me that the boss had that reaction. But you can imagine like him flipping through the Sunday paper, seeing the list of which Saturday tea time activities people were had going on and being like, they didn't invite me. Anyway, back to the family. <laughs> back to the family I was gonna talk about. Uh, yeah, we, I was staying at a family friend's house, woke up, the, there was a new issue of the paper and they were like right there. And they were going to, they vow, and it, it seemed so big at the time. It was like, can you believe they're not going to use their car? I mean, we lived in a, you know, we lived in a suburb. It wasn't hard to get around. I think they carpooled, like, so the kids could easily get to school. But then I remember going back to school, and I saw them using their car. And I was like, wait, what? And, you know, to be honest, it could have been over a month. Because when I read the newspaper article about them not using their car for a month, to me, that seemed like a year. In reality, when I saw them using their car again, they very the month could have been up. Or they just didn't do it. They were like, fuck this, we have a car, we might as well use it. But to announce that in the paper is so funny. But they were, my point was, bringing up all the newspaper shit and the social shit, social activities and everything being documented is just... Like, local newspapers would have just utter nonsense like that. Just the most random announcements about things people were doing. And this kid was in the paper again, though. I, this family, they don't seem like they were... Uh, despite all this stuff, they, they don't seem like they were hungry for attention. They didn't seem like one of those families who was just doing a bunch of bullshit to get attention for it. Though obviously, like, if you make that announcement about not using your car, you want some sort of, oh, wow, how novel. But that kid was in the paper a few years later, a couple years later, and it was because he was, the thing is, he was kind of good at everything, but he wasn't, he wasn't an asshole about it, and he really had no personality. He was just, he was competent at everything. He wasn't somebody who ever... You, you never thought of him being the best. You never thought about him being unique. 
he was just very competent at everything he did. And he was very gifted, a very gifted natural musician, and he took music lessons. And he, he must have been like nine years old. Once again, I, I don't even know about this beforehand. Despite going to school with the kid and him coming to birthday parties, you know, I'm reading about, the, just like them not using their car, I'm reading about this in the newspaper for the first time. I'm learning about it as I read. And he had written a blues song. He had written a blues song. And they published an article about it. They were like, a young, a nine-year-old boy in Kirkland, Washington, writes his own blues song. And it was funny. It was a funny blues song. There are a lot of those. I don't, I don't even know what to... I can't deal with the blues. I don't hate the idea of it. Like, it's one of those things where I don't hate the idea of the blues, depending... I mean, blues rock, maybe a little more. I like Danzig. He's the blues. But despite being into old country, raw country, despite being into all this, you know, older music that's adjacent to that, I just don't get into the blues. I don't like the chord progressions, and it, it always irritates me too when people are like, oh, it's all, all rock and metal music is based on the blues. It's like, I understand, I don't understand music theory, but I understand why they say that. But it doesn't, it, it's like, the note choices are entirely different, especially metal. Like, once you get into metal, where there's just such insane technique, and, you know, mind-expanding melody. I'm just like, come on, it's not the fucking blues. It's not the fucking blues. And, uh, but... <laughs> I'm just not a blues guy. And then when I think about the blues, too, it's like... Kind of the go-to jokes, joke music. Like, you can easily... Like, I, like right now, and I'm not gonna do it, I promise. I could just come up with a jokey blues song. Du -du 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 -du. And so he, he wrote a jokey blues song at nine years old. And they published the lyrics in the newspaper, which is crazy. It was just this little blurb. Like, like it's not like they could talk for an entire page about this kid who wrote a blues song. Although, I could write about that. Journalists don't have the ability to spend an entire page talking about a kid who wrote a blues song. But I, I could do that. I could come up with a lot of things to say about that. But they published his lyrics, so it took up a lot of space, you know, when you think about it. That's a lot of, that's a lot of newspaper space. And the lyrics went, her face smashed in, do, 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 do. I told you I wasn't going to do it, but I'm not, this isn't my song. I, I said I wasn't going to make up my own blues song. I didn't say I wasn't going to sing it when I, when I talked about this kid's song. But the song was called Catfro. It was, it was about his cat. Because I didn't know this. See, with my, with my good friends, I was in and out of their houses. I knew their entire families. I knew their inside jokes. Like if one of my real friends, my RFs, if they had some sort of inside family joke about their cat, I probably would have known it. That's how you know you, you know, that's how you know you're, you have a real friend, is because you know their inside joke about their pets. But this other family, the car family, the blues, the, they're a real car and blues sort of family. They apparently had some sort of inside joke. They apparently had some sort of inside joke 
about their cat having an, an afro. Which, you know, I, I feel like I saw their cat a few times. I don't remember an afro. But anyway, he, as in his little kid mind, he, he saw this afro on his cat and wrote a blues song called Catfro, which is just saying this out loud, it's fucking ingenious. Catfro. And they published the lyrics to Catfro in the newspaper. And yeah, the lyrics, the only lyrics I remember were like, her face smashed in. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine it sounded like that. I never heard it. I heard him play the blues later. But I, I never heard it, a, a, a live rendition of Catfro. But you could tell from the lyrics. It's the interesting thing about the blues. You could tell just from the lyric arrangement what kind of blues song it was. It was one of those songs that went do 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 do. Her face smashed in. Whoa, her face smashed in. And that was a lyric. And I, to this day, I think about that lyric because what it was referring to is it was one of those cats who had kind of like a Persian cat, just those cats who instead of having like elongated faces, it had one of those flat sort of faces that caves inward. So, you know, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds violent, her face smashed in. But no, it was in reference to like one of those cats with kind of a, a flat indented face. But that was the opening lyric and that was all I remember. Actually, no, the, the other thing I remember is that like the chorus was like, whoa, she got a cat fro. Whoa, she's got a cat fro. You know, it was something to that effect. I, I, I think it was, I got the cat fro blues. I think it was like, well, I got the cat fro. Well, I got the cat fro blues. Something, something to that effect. I, again, I, I, I never heard the song, yet, it, it, this, yet the song was somehow burned into my brain. Because, I mean, this is my peer. This is a kid who bought me a Ninja Turtle action figure at my first grade birthday party or something. So I'm reading his song in the paper and, and it was like a drug or something, like to be like, oh, there's this whole other world. I'm wondering though, like with the car thing, like they obviously had to contact the newspaper about their little car vow. They obviously had to, to let that be known. It's not like the newspaper was going around town being like, you wouldn't happen to be vowing to not use your car for a month because we'd love to write a story. They obviously contacted the newspaper and were like, hey, we're not going to use our car for a month. Will you write a story about it? So even though I didn't think of this as an attention-hungry family, and I would say they weren't really, the proof is in the pudding. Like They had to contact the newspaper to write about them. And I feel like the same must have been true for Catfro. I don't feel like the newspaper, like unless his music teacher contacted the paper and was like, you got to get a load at this kid. This kid's like a prodigy. This kid's like a prodigy. Unless his music teacher contacted the paper, his family must have done it again. His mom needed social media. That would have just showed up on, on social media, but instead, the only way to let people know that your kid wrote a blues song is to contact the paper. I never talked to him about it. He was always in music class because he was one of those kids. Like, he got into rock music, and my understanding is he's still playing music, and he's very—he's a very uh, talented guitar player. He was playing in a band last I heard. I know he played in a college rock band, but he was playing in a band last I heard that was doing blue, like, kind of like classic rock influence blues. 
with a black girl singing and she did like you know soulful i mean it was perfect for him He's a, he has his roots in the blues and he, he found like a soulful black woman to sing for him um but I, I remember him being in music class over the years like whenever we because we'd have these assemblies where we'd have to go to the gym and then like the music class it wasn't just the orchestra it was just like these these musicians among us and when they would do orchestra because he played all kinds of instruments and he, but he was one of the what I was going to say is he was one of those kids who uh, like he, he he wanted to play in a rock band but he was one of those music class kids too and whenever they would have the assemblies for the music class the orchestra would always play songs we know and they would always play the same ones the, the big one was the Simpsons theme song the the music band leader lady she would she would be like the, and this next one is a piece from a show you might know called the simpsons and then they would launch into the simpsons theme song and the kids were bored out of their minds up to that point and all of a sudden everybody was at full attention they're like oh i know this one the simpsons so he was like one of the kids who was probably playing us the simpsons theme song with a tuba because i think he was one of those kids yeah like if he was just like dicking around in music class he probably would pick up the tuba and learn how to play it in a day. He really had that ability. It's just that there was nothing, there was no real substance to him that I knew of. And uh, he's got the cat fro blues. But anyway, like years later, like I didn't, I didn't spend time with him. Like we were on the same football team one year and I remember like for summer practices because our moms worked or my mom worked. I remember his mom giving us a ride to the to practice or something to that effect. And uh, he was a dog. Like when I think about him, he was just a real dog. He was a real dog, like very loyal. He was a good boy. I think the reason why I associate him with a dog is because it's like he would do things and you would just like pat him on the head and be like, "Good boy." And. Uh, like, there was a family we knew, I've mentioned them on here before, because I was close to their son, and he's now a, a woman. I've mentioned that on here many times, just haven't, you know, thought about it. But, uh, with, uh, with this other, like, and I, and I mentioned that family before, because, you know, my buddy had gone to, they'd, they'd been like, we're taking you on a trip to our, our cabin we're building. And he got there, and they made him work. You know, this is, this is like summer vacation, and, you know, your friend's family is like, oh, hey, you know, we're building a cabin out in this resort town, and we're going to be staying in a, a trailer. I think, they, I think they were building, like, a bigger place, and they were, like, they had a smaller place on the property. So it's just going to be, like, this fun trip out into the, out into the wild. I don't know. And my friend got there, and he realized they were expecting him to do labor the entire time. So he called his mom. She drove, like, three hours and picked him up and took him home. Well, I found out later they used to take the dog, the cat fro dog. That family used to invite him over and make him work, and he'd just do it. Like, when they needed something done at home. Because, you know, the friend of mine who became a woman, he was a good boy, too emphasis on was he he was a good boy but he didn't want to do a lot of work 
you know, he would kind of bitch at his parents and stuff, so they would just call the dog. And he would come over and he would do it. Like, if they needed shit moved around in their yard, if they needed help landscaping, they'd just call the dog. And I don't think they'd pay him. They were a stingy family. I don't think they'd pay the dog. And when I found that out, though, I was like, that's crazy. Like, me, my friend who freaking called his mom to drive three hours to pick him up at this cabin because he found out he was basically going to be an indentured servant for a few weeks. Like, the idea of going over to your friend's house... I mean, there were exceptions. Like, there were there were a couple times I, I can remember where, like, I had a friend over and my mom was like, Hey, would you guys help me do this real quick? Just what you do. So good boys do. I, the same thing happened at friends' houses. Oh, hey, can you guys do this real quick? Can you guys carry some things in for me? Can you guys do this? And usually there was an incentive, like, Oh, you know, I'll order a pizza if you guys do this. Oh, we'll go to the we'll go to Blockbuster, and you can wander around the aisles for an hour, indecisively trying to figure out what you're going to watch. Now, usually there was an incentive, at least where I grew up. We weren't like I grew up in a place where like nobody was like hardened people. You know, kids were generally expected to have fun as long as they didn't cause too much trouble. But uh, you'd invite the dog over, though, and, like, well, what I was going to say is, like, with most of my friends, the idea, like, if, if your friend invited you over and then, like, his parents put you to work, one, you wouldn't ever go back. Two, you might leave. Like, it's just, it was a faux pas, as they call it. A FOMO pas. It's a FOMO pas. Uh, you know what, you, when you post something on social media or, and someone sees it and gets left out. We call that a FOMO pa. A FEMO pa. A FEMA pa. It's not gibberish here. But the dog didn't seem to care. Oh hey, we we gotta we gotta move those rocks. And I mean the thing is the thing is so fucking weird about shit that your friend's family or your yeah your friend's family would make you do. Like on the rare occasion when I was growing up that a friend's family did put me to work it was always something that made no sense. Like, oh, hey, we need you boys to move the, that pile of rocks from that corner of the yard to that corner. Obviously, there was a reason, but it, it felt like the, the weirdest busy work. Oh, we need you to move those rocks five feet over there. It's like a family who just has a pile of rocks in their yard just so they can get the kids to move it occasionally. I mean, that's what hoarders do. Have... Knowing a, a hoarder very closely, being related to a hoarder, and, and knowing some others. Interestingly, what they spend a lot of time doing is just like moving one box from one room to another without making any progress. Because they don't want to get rid of anything, but they're self-aware and maybe like want to feel like they're doing something with their excess stuff. Hoarders will just like go grab a box and seem like they're very deliberately moving it somewhere, but they'll just like move it across the room and then leave it there. They just kind of move things around a lot. So some families probably just had a pile of rocks in the yard, just be like, oh, we need the boys to move the pile of rocks again. Buy them a pizza. They gotta earn that pizza. Bring the dog over though, you don't have to give him anything. Call the dog, he'll just come over and move those rocks. But when I found out that other family, they were, I think they were kind of taking advantage of him. 
think they were kind of taking advantage of him. Like, oh, we know that kid will come over and do whatever we want. Put him to work. But years later, I found out this, I, I guess you'd call it a dark secret about the dog and his family. Where I found out that his mom didn't like him. There was no abuse. It wasn't an, it wasn't an abusive household. But for whatever reason, he was the least favorite child and he got treated that way. It made me really sad. I thought about it deeply. I've thought about it deeply multiple times. Where like these stories came out. This, it really came to a head when uh, we knew a family who was very close to that family. And the mom of that family called my mom. This is how gossip travels in the suburbs. And, and was like, you know, there's, you know, there's just been all these things that have happened over the years. And she cited a story specifically where it was the dog's birthday. And they were wealthy. I didn't think of them as being rich, rich. But now that I think about it, they lived in a three-story house not far from the water. The dad was the sweetest guy in the world. The mom was weird because like, she had a truck. They were like this wealthy Seattle suburb family Scandinavian heritage, like a lot of kids I knew, like me, my kin, my, uh, my paisans. And the dad was the sweetest guy in the world, truly was. He's dead now, but when he was alive, he was just a really sweet, kind dad. And the mom, you know, she wasn't trashy or anything, but she was really hands-on. Like, I think... The dog kind of got it from her. He was trained by her because she was very hands-on. Like she drove a truck and she was always like doing like if they had if they had like she would do like construction shit on their house. She was like Mr. Mom or Mrs. Dad or something. And, and you know, I, I never really had an opinion about her one way or another. She was always really nice, but kind of I don't she had kind of there was kind of a uh, not a harshness, but kind of like a roughness about the way she talked and everything. And I, but his family, like the mom called my mom and was just like, yeah, you know, one time it was the dog's birthday and he had done something wrong, which is hard for me to imagine. This kid never did. He never broke a rule. He wasn't a snitch, which I really appreciate. I like it when a kid follows all the rules and does everything perfectly, but is also not really a snitch. And... Uh, but it was his birthday, and, and this is when he was young. I would say he was probably like 12 or th 12 years old, 11 years old. And he'd done something wrong, and he, but his birthday party that day was still planned. And he was being forced to stay in his room. So they had the party without him. Rather than canceling his birthday party that they were hosting at their home, and it was a, it was a kid's birthday party. Decorations, you know, a cake... But he was forced to stay in his room the entire time while his friends celebrated his birthday without him. I wasn't there. This is after our little birthday time ended. Like, I mentioned the formula where it's like, if you have a class with somebody, that guarantees you like two or three birthdays. This is after the two or three birthday window. So I was no longer going to his birthdays by that time. But he, And I'm glad I didn't because they had the birthday without him. But he could hear it. 
But the particularly bad part was when they got time to eat, the kid I know who was there, coincidentally, it's the kid who's now a woman, so this is complicated, but he was there and he told his mom because he was so upset, he said like when it was time to eat that the mom of the family, she got the dog like a tray of food, not, not like a dog tray, not like an animal tray, not like a trough, but she like put his food on a tray and then she went to go give it to him in his room where he's locked in there and they're celebrating his birthday. And I mean, it almost sounds like when, when a family goes to visit their dad who's in prison or something, like hanging out in the waiting room. But she goes to give him his food on this tray and she like opens the door just enough to like force the tray through. And it sounded like she did it very violently. Like she like found, I don't, I don't know, I don't think she threw the tray, but it was like she opened the door just enough. And I think he tried to come to the door and she like very like violently like swung the door closed and like held it shut so that he couldn't get out. So she like forced this food through this little opening in the door. He started to move toward the door and she like, it's like trying to keep an animal locked in or something. And her behavior, like she had jerked and like jerked the door closed and like held it closed and like kept him locked in there. And my friend who was at the birthday party he was like traumatized by it. Like he told his mom, he was like, it was really fucked up. It was really fucked up. He's like, no, it was really upsetting. It's probably the reason he's now a woman. If it weren't for that one little moment, he never would have become a woman. But, uh, and some other little stories like that started to accumulate. And it, these stories led to this picture that was like, oh yeah, he's like the unwanted child. And it's weird that he's the middle child and the first boy. Because often the first boy gets a lot of the attention. It's like, oh, we had our first boy. So the fact that he was the first boy and the middle child. And the thing was, it wasn't like his little brother was the man. His little brother was just kind of nerdy and passive. He was actually the most accomplished. Like, out of all of his siblings, he was probably the most well-behaved. They were all pretty well-behaved. But he was the most well-behaved. He was the best at things. Like, he was good at whatever he did. But he, he was the unwanted child. And that's a weird thing, because, like, I, I knew a family where, like, the youngest son, it was well known he was an accident, and they initially didn't really want him. It's not like they went around saying that, hey, this kid, he's an accident. We didn't really want him. No, they didn't go around saying that. I, I mean, this was a family I knew very, very well. So it was kind of known, that, like, oh, yeah, he, he wasn't really expected, and they were, they were kind of like, oh, God, another kid. But they loved him and treated I mean, he was the baby of the family. It wasn't like that led to any mistreatment. But with the dog, the dog was unwanted. Somehow, even though he was the middle child, he was unwanted. And uh, finding out that his mom, like, you know, didn't abuse him. I mean, that, that, that birthday thing is fucked up, though. That might not be, it's psychological abuse. Because you figure, like, okay, I can't imagine what the dog did to get that treatment, because he wasn't a bad kid. Let's say he did act out as kids do. Canceled the birthday. Oh, hey, something came up. Got to call 15 people. Oh, well. 
which would make if you were a parent and your kid did something bad like on his birthday one you should be a little more permissive but two like like by the time like it's like your brain should kind of reroute the second you start thinking yeah we're just going to have the birthday without him he's going to be locked in a room we're going to treat him like an animal and shove food through the door you know, like, I, I would think you'd start re- rethinking that plan kind of as it started to play out. Like, oh, they're all going to arrive with birthday presents, but they're not going to get to even see him because they didn't even get to see him. Forgot to mention that. They didn't even get to see him. He was lo- he was the man in the iron mask locked in his cell. But you think, like, the alternative would be to cancel the birthday, which it's like, okay, I have to call 15 people pre-cell phone. You have to hope that you get a hold of everybody. But you'd start to rethink that and be like, is it really worth punishing my child and and like calling everybody and canceling? But this lady, she felt like doing it. And it kind of casts this dark shadow over that family for me. Like, I'll never not associate them with this. And you know, obviously parents have their favorites and parents have kids they don't like. It's just a reality where... Like, my mom's family growing up, like, they had, like, seven kids from three different fathers, extreme poverty. My grandma, my mom's mom, had been sexually abused when she was a girl. Like, she had a bad life. She was bipolar. But there were, like, two kids that she singled out and didn't like. And she would strike them. She never hit my mom. I think, she, I think my mom said one time she got spanked for playing with matches or something. But my mom was treated really well. And my mom thought that it all kind of derived from whose father the kids were from. Like what, how she felt about the father. But two of the, like one of the daughters was horribly abused and died a drug addict. And the other, like one of them was the boy one of the boys and he was literally the redheaded stepchild like the stepdad in the family like my mom's stepdad was a sweetheart like he was a really good man who just dealt with the fact that his wife was out of her mind but uh this this kid the my ginger uncle who i've never met can't even remember which one it's weird. It's weird, like, ha- like hearing stories about your mom's family, but you never meet them. They live somewhere in the Midwest, and you just never knew them. But he would get hit. He would get singled out all the time. Which, even though my mom wasn't hit, you know, it screwed with her, too. Because it's like, you now feel guilty that you're not getting mistreated, and you have to witness this crazy shit going on around you. But it's a similar sort of thing, like, sometimes it just happens. Not always that explosively, not always that aggressively, but it's like this the dog's family, where his mom just didn't like him very much, I guess. I'm sure she loved him. I don't think they were, I don't think she was usually very cruel, but it was just kind of weird. But at the same time, I wonder if there was something that made you want to do stuff to him or made you want to kind of bully him. Because I've talked about him on here before. I may have even talked about all this before. But I, I brought him up before because my friend Ryan, who's now dead, a lot of facts to remember here, His was the, he had the sleepover house 
when we were like 12, 11, through 11, 12 years old, that was the house we would go to and we'd just stay up all night watching TV and movies. It was just the, the funnest house to be at for whatever reason. And he would invite the dog over because he played soccer with him and they were friends. And the dog would go to bed really fucking early, too early. You know, it's, you know, you didn't expect all your friends. Like, I was always one of the ones who stayed up all night. It was usually like me and one other person. We would stay up all night just causing trouble, sneaking out, trying to find weird stuff to watch. And you expect like a kid to fall asleep by 3 or 4 a.m. You know, if someone fell asleep at 3 or 4 a.m., like, no problem, it's late. This kid would fall asleep at like 9. He'd come to these sleepovers... He'd get his bed all set up. And I think he was a kid who had a really early bedtime. But he would fall asleep at, at these at these parties, these sleepovers, way too early. He And he would, like, plan on it. It wasn't like he was just sitting on the couch and nodded off. It was like he would get his bed all ready and he would just go to sleep. And so we would, we would be up, like, for, you know, ten more hours. And so, of course, we have a victim at the ready. And so we started fucking with him when he'd fall asleep. Anything we could. It got violent. <laughs> and this is before I knew that his mom didn't like him. This is before I knew that his mom treated him like a bad dog. But we would do all kinds of things. Like my friend Ryan, they had these really heavy pillows. They weren't for sleeping. They were just... I don't even know what those pillows are. They're like medicine balls. They're like... Um, they're almost like that... Uh, they're like those pillows that were popular for a while. It's like a big pillow for your back with arms on it. And they weigh a ton. They were like those without the arms. And so... I remember like... The worst thing I did was... He was asleep and we had all the lights off... And I went over and I just dropped one of those pillows straight on his face. Which, you know, it's not going to hurt you, but that's a heavy pillow. It wasn't very nice of me. And so I just dropped it, like, straight on his face. And he's like, fuck you. Because he wouldn't swear. He was a good boy, but he, he would swear. And he, it got to be where he'd just get madder and madder at us. And uh, one time, uh, one of my friends, this wasn't me... I was a conspirator, but I didn't do it. But my friend wrote fag on his foot. And he didn't wake up. And then later that night, he got up to go to the bathroom, and he came back in, and he laid down, and he was very quiet, and he goes, I saw what you wrote on my foot. And that was it. Not very nice, but this is what, this is what happens. You go to bed early, you get hazed. We didn't hate him or anything. It was just, we realized that, like... Because we only started to do this after a pattern developed. Like, we didn't just... The first time he came over and we were all there, we didn't just start attacking him. Once we realized, like, two or three times he had come over... Because we were having sleepovers there. Like, I mean, for an entire summer, we practically lived at this house. And, uh... So once we started to notice that every single time he comes over, we almost saw it as an insult to us. Because it was like liberty. It was a safe, comfortable, happy household, but his parents, my friend's parents, also let us do whatever we wanted. Like they didn't come in and say, go to bed. 
the fridge was full of Pepsi. It was just like this little house that was falling apart. And that just that just tells you something. Like it was it was not the biggest or nicest house in the world, but it made no difference to us. It was like it just felt like the best place to be. But so we had we had a fridge full of Pepsi, frozen pizzas, whatever we wanted, you know. And and we and his his family was one of the first families I knew to have digital cable where you could see what was on. And they also had like Cinemax and these you know whatever you call it like uh subscription channels and so those would have softcore porn and we would watch those it was it was liberty it really felt like liberty being there and so we we took it as kind of an insult like you're not being a bro you're not being a uh, you're not being a guy with us we never said that but it, that was the sort of feeling we had it was like when you come over to these sleepovers and you go to bed at 9 you're not really being one of us. You're not, you're not really doing the right thing. This is about getting into mischief. We'd sneak out, run around in parks in the middle of the night. You're in there snoozing. You're in there snoozing. So we just started eventually screwing with him. I dropped a really heavy pillow on his face. Somebody wrote a mean word on his foot. I remember seeing it too, and it was funny because it, it was like, you can imagine like trying to write on someone's foot on like the top of it. He wrote it on the top of his foot, which is funny. Tr with a ballpoint pen. It's amazing he didn't wake up. Because that was the thing, is he wouldn't wake up. Unless we did something really severe to him, he would not wake up. We could be making noise, and he would just be out like a log. But we started to do things to him, and then there was one time, this went a little bit far, where... Like, the lights were off, it was really late, and I, I don't know what my involvement was. I'll just assume, I know I didn't do the kicking. <laughs> I know I didn't do the kicking, but I may have held a leg down. But we grabbed him, he was on a futon, and we grabbed him, and then one of... I know exactly who it was, but one of my fr I won't I won't implicate them here because I'm not a snitch. Thirty years later, twenty five years later, but another friend ran and like kicked him in the balls, which that's not like us. That shows you that this is a what do you call it? This, this is a Animal Farm. No, not Animal Farm. Uh, whatever that book is, whatever that book is with the kids. What's that called? It's, it's going to kill me that I don't remember it. Might as well be Animal Farm. Whatever that book is about the kids who take over the island and then like descend into savages with Piggy and all that. It, uh, Lord of the Flies. See, I knew it would come to me. It was uh, it was like some Lord of the Flies shit. Where since we were left to our own devices, like we we just turned into savages because none of us were that violent. Like we wouldn't kick our friends in the balls ever. But it, it was escalating, though. It was like we started soft, like dropping things on him. Like, I mean, this is, re I mean, really, like all this just reflects very badly on us. But there was one night where we were like drinking sodies, eating candy, and we just started throwing our garbage on him. This, this is just, we were treating the dog like dirt. We were treating him like a garbage pail. Literally, <laughs> we were li <laughs> just total, <laughs> just total dehumanization of the poor dog. 
But there was one night where, like, we just started throwing our empty soda cans on him. He was sleeping on a cot on the floor in his sleeping bag. And we just started throwing candy wrappers, anything. It's not like he was in a pile of garbage, but it was like there was a good assortment throughout the night of literal garbage on him. But it it escalates, because you start out with little things, and you're you're entertained by it. Because there's nothing more fun than fucking with someone while they're sleeping. And it escalated, though, like, where we kept, like, upping the ante, because that's what happens. Like, I'm glad it ended when it was, because it probably would have gotten to the point where one night we just killed him. And we're like, oh, wait, why did we do that? (laughs) Uh, They're farts. You know, I wasn't a fart guy. I'm still not. You know, you can quote me on that. I don't find them funny. I don't like to do them around people. I don't like to hear them. And my friends weren't really that way either. We weren't we weren't those kind of guys who just go around farting and laughing about it. If you do that, that's fine. It's just But because this involved dehumanizing somebody, my friend's little brother was there who was just like a baby. He was probably like seven years old, eight years old. He was really cool though, because like he was he was my good friend's little brother, so we would let him come. Like he was the little brother that we didn't want to exclude. We wanted him there. See, that's the thing though. Like, we were cool. Like, we didn't bully the eight-year-old. You know, we were, like, 12, but we didn't bully the eight-year-old. He was a man to us because he carried himself like a man. He would stay up as late as we did. He would get up to all of our sort of antics. That's what was so fun. It wasn't like we treated him like, oh, you're you're our friend's little brother, so we're going to pick on you. The only time that we ever picked on him was playing the game Goldeneye. And we, we made him in the game be a certain character and just over and over again we made him we made his character kneel and then executed him with a gunshot to the head like we just kept doing that to him over and over again and he was willingly doing it because i mean he has the control in his hand and we're like okay kneel and then we would just execute him just really we're just savages but uh, <laughs> so the friend's little brother is there we treat him like a man because he carries himself like a man Yet the older kid, our peer, he's going to bed every night. So the little brother, though, he would get up. And I remember him doing this multiple times. Like, he would get up and he would he would put his ass right in the dog's face and just let it go. And one time it woke him up and I remember him, like, shooting up. Like, so fast that the kid who was, like, in, squatted in front of him had to, like, lunge forward to get away from him. So it got that, you know, it was dehumanizing, like writing mean things on his foot, dropping huge pillows on his face that weigh five pounds, uh, throwing garbage on him. This little kid, this eight-year-old, just farting in his face. And I think it was that exact time, maybe, that uh, the little brother farted on his face he, we had been doing it to him all night. This was, this, was, this was probably like the peak. This was like the climax of it all because we had been doing it to him. There was one night where we actually invited him over just to do this. That's how you know we were getting fucked up in the head. We were going too far. There was one night where we didn't really have any plans. We were like, eh, you know, that movie doesn't look very good. I'm sick of chips and pop. And so we actually told our friend, we're like, call the dog call the dog and he was like ah guys you guys are just going to be mean to him because he was nice like ryan the kid whose house it was he was a sweet kid 
died very young, but sweet kid died very young. But he uh, he was like, ah, he's like, I don't want to bring him over here just so we can fuck with him. Like, call him, call him. So he brought him over, and that was like the night where I think we just tormented him all night. And the little brother runs and farts on his face after an entire night of waking him up every 10 minutes. And the dog just like shoots up and the lights, it's a totally pitch black room. And we just hear this venom coming from his voice. And he's talking to my little, my friend's little brother who's eight. And he goes, do you know how much I hate you? And uh, (laughs) we laughed about that. And then I know I've talked about this before because there was a time too where like we kept waking him up. He, he, he turned into like an angry wild animal where his voice always sounded like this. And one night he shot up and he goes, do you even know what sleep is? It was guttural for like a 12 year old boy. Do you even know what sleep is? And uh, <laughs> that quote, that kept us going for weeks. Like getting that kind of quote, that sound bite. Do you even know what sleep is? That was his first thought too. But it made it clear that, like, oh, it's not just that he's tired and falls asleep early. This guy, like, war- he's like the god of sleep. Like, he feels like we don't even know what sleep is. Do you know what sleep is? Got to the point where he, he didn't come over anymore. Obviously. We stopped calling him. Like, we, you know, it, w- it would have resulted in us just you know, flushing him, like folding him up into a tiny square and flushing him down the toilet. It was just, we, we really turned into just jackals, fiends. But that was before I knew about his mom doing the same thing to him. When I found that out, like a couple, a few years later, my mom was like, I got, I found some stuff out about his family. And she listed off the birthday story locked in his room, getting food shoved through a door while she slammed the door and held it closed. There were these, I, don't, I don't remember the other stories, but there were other ones. Nothing that you would call Child Protective Services about, but it cast a shadow over him and his mom's, you know, relationship. Cast a shadow over him and his mom's relationship. But uh, when I found that out, though, when I found out that the dog was also tormented a little bit by his mom I felt one really bad for him because he didn't deserve it he was a good boy but then I thought about our treatment of him and like something compelled us to do that to him something compelled us to dehumanize him because the birthday party story was totally dehumanizing not letting him be there for his own birthday and then not even letting him see his friends and like treating him like an animal in a cage completely dehumanizing and then we did it years years before i even knew that was something that his mom did to him we did it to him and it it, it's sort of like what i've talked about on here before with like i wouldn't say he gave off victim energy but some people like kind of seem like prey or in this case i don't think that's the right word but it's like some people just like something about them i mean i've told the story on here about uh not, not even a story but just this guy I worked with who was very nerdy computer guy, a few years younger than me, talked too much, but was really nice. Like, you would never think of him as a bad guy, just a little annoying and naive. Annoying and naive. 
But I always had this strong urge to slap him in the back of his head. I had to pass by him sitting at his desk, and there was like something about his head and the way he sat, but I think it was more of his head. And he had a big head. And every single time for this little stretch, I would like have this weird little like, you have these little fantasies at work. You'll just have like this brief little fantasy like, oh, I feel like doing that. And uh, I think it's because you're, you know, you're forced to act like somebody other than yourself. You're forced to play this role and you're like, your living depends on it and everything. So I think your brain goes to some weird places at work. But every time I walk over this, walk, walk by this kid, I just had this really strong urge. And I, I never have violent urges or anything like that. And this wasn't even a violent urge. It was like a, just like a hazing sort of thing, or I don't even know what it was. But I was just like, I really wanted to smack the back of his head. Not even in a way that would hurt this guy. I just was like, something about like him and his head made me go like, I just want, it just seems, I didn't want to punch him in the head. I didn't want to like, you know, grab something and hit him with it. It was just purely me wanting to like do an open-handed slap to the back of his head and just go and then just keep walking. That's kind of how it was with the dog. Like when the dog was there, we would just kind of want to start doing things to him. Dehumanize the poor kid. Cat fro. This kid does have a reason to sing the blues. And I was like, did his mom have that? Did his mom have some strong desire to like dehumanize the dog like we did? And it made me feel bad. I was like, this poor kid, like who knows what other little anecdotes there are you know, when he was at home with his family. And then he goes to a sleepover where he just wants to sleep. Did his mom force him? Did she deprive him of sleep? Was there some sort of sleep deprivation thing they were doing to him, like they do at Guantanamo? Where they made him stand and not let him sleep? I mean, who knows? But, you know, he's going over to his friend's house where he thinks it's going to be a fun time and all the poor kid wants to do is sleep. And he gets dehumanized there, too. It made me feel really bad. I was like, we did it to him, too. But why did his mom do it, and why did we do it? <laughs> I don't have a history of treating people that way. It was really just kind of feeding off everybody's energy. Because that's what happens when a bunch of boys get together. You feed off each other's energy, and that generally means being mean or doing something kind of bad. But then I, I found out years later... They apparently had a baby who died or something. I saw a picture of their family, actually. And I could tell from it, it was just before I met them. I think I met him in kindergarten. And so I could tell from the photo that it was just before I met the family. And they had three kids. And in this photo, there was a baby. And I was like, oh, that must be like a cousin or a nephew or something. But I, was look, I looked at the photo and I thought, I don't think so. This is a family picture. And, you know, this is dark. This is sad. I never found out direct confirmation, but I looked at this photo and I was like, this is right before I met them. I can tell. This is probably just months before I met them. Maybe a year. And I was like, they had another kid. They had four kids. That baby... I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, but that baby, I never heard a single mention of the baby. I never heard that uh, 
I never heard that like they had another sibling who died. Like not a miscarriage, this was a baby. And it made me think and I was like, they had a baby who died. That's crazy. And who knows how it happened. You know, occasionally babies die, even in the modern world. It's horrible. But I was like, who knows what that did to that lady? If they had another baby who died of, like, sudden infant death syndrome or something, who knows what that did to her? I mean, I want to start, like, I want to make jokes, but it's a horrible thing to do. But I'm like, maybe he did something to the baby. That's why she mistreats him. No, I don't, I don't think he did anything to the baby. But I saw that picture and I was just like, this family, like there's layers to this family as there are many families, but it was like this particular family just, you wouldn't really think about them otherwise. The thing that everybody noticed about them growing up was uh, all three of the kids that I knew, they would do that thing where their mouth was agape. Like one time I was at a, a get together and they put all the kids in a room and had us watch something. It was like a it was like a Christmas party, and they just put all the kids in a room with a TV and put a movie on. And I remember turning, and like all three of those siblings were sitting next to each other, and they all looked similar. They all had the kind of the same face, and all three of them were just like transfixed, with their mouths agape, like mouth. It was just they were mouth breathers. And everybody, but what's funny is everybody knew that about them. Every single person knew that about them. Like, they had all noticed that... Because the kids, they would go into a trance, too. I don't think they watched much TV at home. Because, like, if you, put a, if you put them in front of a TV, all the other kids would be, like, running around. Like, at a Christmas party like that, for example. Yeah, we're put in a room to watch a movie. But we'd be, like, running around, acting things out. Playing with toys. But these kids, if you put them in front of a TV, they'd immediately go into a trance and their mouths would, they would just turn into mouth breathers. And everybody would talk about it. They'd be like, oh, it's, they would do impressions of it. So for some reason, these kids, they all, all three of them were mouth breathers. And I, I don't think the dad was, but it makes me wonder if the mom was. Because you have to get, if all three of your kids do that, you have to get that from one of the parents, right? That's a heritable trait, mouth breathing. But the dog, too, there was this get-together. It was the last day of sixth grade, and that meant we were going on to junior high. Our school was like seven through nine was junior high, so it was the last day of sixth grade. And so there was, it, it wasn't like a block party or anything, but it was like all the families and all the kids hung out in that kid's neighborhood by the water and we were just like no cars drove by so we were just like playing in the middle of the street uh, right up until night and at one point like it was boys and girls and, and like the girls this is what girls do they stood in a big circle in the middle of the street talking like gossiping and the boys were just like running around like some of us liked girls by then so we were kind of like oh the girls are here the girls are here girls are here but the dog and his little brother, who was kind of a mini dog, he was kind of like a scrappy do. He, uh, they were on their bikes, and all the kids were like standing in the middle of the road just talking. And the dog and his little brother just on their bikes, 
were just riding around the circle over and over again like they were retarded. Like they were just riding their bikes in a, a circle around the group of kids standing in the middle of the road talking. And I remember noticing it and nudging my friend and I was like, look. And he, he and his brother had these big smile. Like, you know when your dog has its tongue out and it's, it seems like it's smiling? They had that look on their faces and they were just like going around in a circle over and over again. Like they were feeding off the energy. It was amazing. But it, it was, and they were, they were mouth breathing while they were doing it. So their mouths are just hanging open, but with kind of a smile, like a dog. And they were just do, going around. This went on for a while. Just a circle around the group of kids over and over and over again. But that was the dog. That was the dog. And uh, it wasn't the only time, though, that I heard about a birthday without the kid there. I wasn't at that birthday, but I, I went to this other kid's birthday. And when I got there, they were down in the basement. And the floor was like a, it was a concrete floor with like a very, very thin layer of carpet. And they had rafters exposed in the basement. And the birthday boy was like a monkey. He was swinging from rafter to rafter and it was pretty high up. Like you had to climb up on something on the side of the room, get on a chair, climb on a cabinet, and then you could like hook your arms into the rafters and swing from one to the next like monkey bars. And so him and his friends were doing that. I didn't want to do it. But they were doing that and like they were they were giddy. And they were just swinging all around the basement like animals. And then all of a sudden he, he made a mistake. The birthday boy made a mistake and he fell from the ceiling, which was pretty high up. You know, I'm not talking about a building here. He didn't fall off a building, but it was like, if you, were, if you were a little kid, not very tall, and you were hanging from those rafters, like you'd take a pretty hard fall onto the concrete. And so he slipped and he, he falls face down onto the concrete floor, like right onto his arm broke it this is before the birthday party even officially started and he's just in severe pain his arms badly broken he doesn't get up he's laying face down on the floor and he's muffled but he's like screaming and crying so his mom like gets him and she's like well i need to take him to the hospital obviously and and she asks the other mom she's like will you guys still have the birthday there's like treats and cake and stuff to do you know and the my mom was one of them and she was like sure so we had his birth while he was at the hospital getting x-rayed we had his birthday party without him that's different than what happened to the dog in this case it's a nice thing it's like well you know he broke his arm really badly at the start of the party he can't be here i mean what the dog's mom might have done is oh you broke your arm really bad we're gonna have the party anyway with you here you're gonna have to wait to go to the hospital but <laughs> you know that, this is different this is just a nice thing like oh he's got to go to the hospital but you might as well have cake and the party's already started might as well have it and so that was a birthday without the kid there it's weird that i know of multiple times in my just little community in my elementary school where a, a kid's birthday was thrown for them without them there and in one case, it was just because of an injury. 
In another case, it was because of some weird form of cruelty. Dehumanization to the dog, dehumanizing the dog. It is kind of interesting, though, I know of two different times where the birthday was held for these kids without them there. Seems like the dog's doing well. I, don't, I, I haven't talked to the dog in 20 years. I haven't talked to the dog in 20 years. If not more. Because I would see him around high school, but I, he wasn't very conversational. You would nod to him. That's what, if you were friends with a kid in kindergarten and you went to a couple birthdays, you would never have another conversation with them if you didn't remain friends, but you would still nod to them in the hallway. You know, at most, I nodded to the dog on occasion. I don't think I've had an actual conversation with him for 25 years. 23 years, maybe. But, uh... Last, I, I was curious about him. Ever since I found that stuff out about his mom and everything, I, I've been kind of curious about how he's doing. He seems like he's doing well. I know his dad died. But, it, you know, it seems like... I think he might even have a kid. I think he might even be married. He's playing in a band. He didn't seem... Like... It didn't seem like he had any adjustment issues, you know? It didn't seem like whatever weird dynamic was going on behind closed doors... It didn't seem to damage him. What's interesting, though, is that he was always friendly to me. You know, even though he rem you know, he, he must remember how we tormented him and dehumanized him. Like, he must remember waking up in the morning covered in trash. He must remember getting things thrown at him. He must remember getting kicked in the balls. Kicked in the balls. But he never held it against me. I don't know if he held it against any of us. Maybe he didn't see me as the instigator. I, I was guilty, though. You know, I don't think I was the instigator, but I was certainly guilty. I was more than an accessory to his torment. But he didn't hold it against me. Because I think kids are resilient in that way. Like, if, you're, if you get you know, jerked around at a sleepover. It sounds horrible. People are dicks to you at a sleepover. You don't necessarily hold it against them. It's just kind of, it's how it works. It's how boys interact. But yeah, he'd always nod to me, and that's nice. Because realistically, like, you think about the misgivings people have. I'll, I'll be talking to people, and it's amazing, like, what they hold on to, what bothers them. And you'd think, though, that, like, what we did to the dog would lead to a lifetime of hatred for us. But he didn't. And I think that was just kind of in his nature. I think the dog was resilient. On one hand, I think he had a great life, or he has a great life, where he's good at everything. He wrote a song called Cat Fro when he was a little boy, and it, the newspaper published his lyrics, so the entire town knew. Whole town knew. Whole town knew about Cat Fro. You know, his family had money. He was good at sports. You know, not that that, you know, means dark stuff doesn't happen. But it seems like his life was basically good. I don't think his mom was abusive. I think these, I think these stories were, were not a one-off, but I, think, I don't think it was like she spent all of her time, you know, abusing this poor kid. I think it was like us. <laughs> I think we're like his mom. I think there was something about him, though, that kind of made you want to fuck with him. Like, almost to get a reaction out of him. Because he, he wasn't a very expressive kid. He was very quiet. 
And I think we just kind of wanted to get a reaction out of him. I think his mom just wanted to get a reaction out of him. But that's the story of the dog. Children can run free. 